All right, welcome back to another episode of Developing Communities, the DevRel podcast. Uh, I am your host, Mackenzie, and today we have a fantastic uh, guest. We have the developer advocate from Sneak, Laurent Tao. So Laurent, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for, for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, I've, I've actually known you for, for a little bit of time. You were one of the one of the, the developer advocates that helped me when I was uh, starting on this journey, <laughs> trying to, so, uh, I, so I want to, uh, I guess, share some of the, some of the wisdom that you sh- uh, shared with me when, when we first started out to other people looking at coming into this, into this field. But why don't we start by uh, you introducing yourself a little bit uh, and, and how you became uh, kind of engulfed in this world of developer relations? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, so today I'm a you know developer advocate at uh, at Sneak. So uh, that's kind of like what I do for the last uh, almost three years right now. So it's uh, it's been a bit of a ride for me, uh, a fun and lovely ride, <laughs> I must say. I I definitely didn't imagine myself being a, a you know so challenged and having all of these opportunities and uh, engagement as uh, as I'm having today. Um, I came into this uh, basically from an engineering role. So before that, I was uh, a developer and a, and a team lead uh, for actually quite some time. I think uh, between the two companies before, for like eight years or so, so quite a while. Uh, I got approached by Sneak. Uh, I, I've knew, known Sneak for a while now, but um, you know, haven't considered applying or anything else. I knew them before I was joining. I was a happy user. And uh, when they, uh, I have to say that when they uh, reached out, I was. Uh, I was somewhat reluctant, I think, from the developer point of view. I was like, I don't know. Uh, speaking all the time and all of those stuff, I, I kind of like, you know, I like being uh, near, near the code, near the keyboards uh, and all of those things. And I was doing a lot of like mentoring uh, to my teammates, which I, I enjoyed a lot. Um, but then after thinking about it a little bit, and I think that would maybe uh, what would help others who are considering this is uh, I noticed that the stuff that I actually do as, as a hobby, basically, all of my open source activities, all of my Node.js activities, um, all of my security uh, kind of like background and work towards it are, are are essentially my developer advocacy. This is what I'll be doing full time at Snake, and this is kind of like what I what I that that is when my uh, when the coin in my head kind of like dropped, and I figured out you know what this is this is I'll go for it. This is what I love doing, and I'll do it full time. Yeah, yeah so I, this is it. <laughs> I, it's it's super interesting. I, it was Sneak that I approached you for this for this kind of role in advocacy. It is, it is. Start. Simon Maple, who was running the DevRel team at that point, was uh, was uh, tweeting me uh, back then. What and what was it that made him reach out to you? I mean, what was it? Were you already speaking at conferences? Uh, were you engaging right. in the community? Like, how how was it that it was kind of uh, that you even came onto the radar of someone that's looking at kind of uh, getting you into this world? Yeah, right. It's it's a great question. Um, so I didn't consider myself a DevRel or doing developer relations in that sense at that point. Um, so this is three year three years back, um, and uh, and I think what I was doing back then that uh, you know got that kind of activity and uh, reach between me and the folks at Sneak or maybe other other companies was I, I was kind of like subconsciously doing a lot of what developer relations or developer advocates uh, do. I was, uh, you know, prior to this, since I think 2016, I was, uh, I was, I was, I've been giving talks. So I've been, I've been actually doing this uh, kind of like a devil kind of like lifestyle um, in a sense. 
uh, a bit before. I was doing blogging. I was working on a lot on open source uh, software and and, uh, and projects. Um, you know, one I remember back then, like it was just tweeting about it today. With like the MinJS um, uh, framework, an amazing uh, project by uh, by Amos Haviv, who was starting this, and this was like back in. 2014, when uh, you know Node was starting to rise and the rise of JavaScript in that in this last decade, um, so I think I was doing a lot of this also prior to that. And I think what have probably shifted the turn towards uh, Sneak specifically as a security company is that I was uh, prior to Sneak approaching in the in the year prior to that, I was actually um, I, I was actually joining the Node Foundation, uh, the security working group. So we were actually triaging a lot of vulnerabilities and it got me a lot closer to the world of open source security and vulnerabilities in open source software, third party dependencies, uh, governance around this, you know, licensing everything from, um, you know, the, the payloads themselves to working with maintainers and with, with bug hunters and the policies around this. Uh, so I, th- I think all of that together, like really resonated well. And I think that is kind of like why I was, uh, I was uh, you know, probably a good candidate to reach out to. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes a, a whole lot of sense. And what you say resonates with a lot of people uh, that I talked to in DevRel, which is kind of like they were almost inadvertently in this role, Before, maybe from a teaching point yeah. of view, maybe from uh, <laughs> just working on open sourcing, different things. But they kind of, uh, without knowing that this is a this is a this is an entire career around here. So uh, it's 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 certainly really interesting. So from that sense, you know, you were really involved in the open source community or at least really kind of getting in there before this weren't you yeah yeah i was i was my you know dip in the in the github commit graphs for me it was all greens all the time um so yeah i i was playing a lot of uh, different roles in that uh, open source community right cool and recently uh, a big achievement you've become a github star so well, so congratulations <laughs> on that. But for anyone that doesn't know, why don't you explain kind of what is a, what is a GitHub star? Because I want to talk a little bit about how that kind of feeds back into DevRel a bit later on. Wow. Okay. Well, t- well thank you, first of all, for uh, recognizing that. I've, uh, I've actually, this is the first time I probably like speak about it uh, in public. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, I, I'm still kind of like feeling uh, this, uh, this is like big shoes for me to fill in. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a well received recognition over here, but um, I don't know. I think in general, uh, so for, to be a GitHub star, I guess if we talk about a program specifically, is I think you can't nominate yourself. I think uh, if I remember correctly, because this was like going through nominations and stuff. So I, I believe probably some other folks have uh, put me in there, and uh, this is how they kind of like reach out and like check it in with you, and like once you get nominated, they. Uh, I think they reach out at a certain time for you to fill in the kind of the blanks and the data and like, what have you been doing? And uh, I don't know, it's, uh, I think I did that like a year back. So this is like a year after. Uh, so it's like, you know, it's moving a bit slowly and a bit more uh, intimate, I guess, as the program matures. And I think that's okay. That's kind of like part of the program and you know, mm. not scaling it and opening it up for like, you know, 200, 400 people would be a lot of work, I guess, for the uh, program ambassadors on the GitHub side of things. So that's part of things. Um, What's it like is it's it's interesting. I think the expectation, uh, the GitHub Stars program says, I think, uh, influence, inspire, right? All of those kind of like, uh, how do you work with the community and what are your uh, uh, your abilities to basically engage? So it's, it's basically all about that. And I could I could see why I was, uh, you know, a candidate for that. Um, 
but really it's it's also funneling feedback inside so one of the things that um, i was doing like really a lot more once i've uh, got into the program was giving a lot of input on you know what i've been missing as as a user of github in in different places and getting those early early uh you know beta releases early those beta features and i'm able to like you know start using them and give that feedback so this is very much of a devrel role in general as well like a devrel advocate where you're sometimes like the the user zero in the sense where this is not yet rolled out to users but you could give the developer perspective the user perspective uh feedback for it um so there's that and uh I think one of the things that they have started doing is uh, on the GitHub community website, the, uh, the discourse, they were uh, doing a campaign to clean up a lot of the GitHub actions, uh, or uh, I think it was maybe a general GitHub uh, anything questions that weren't answered. So uh, this was a nice opportunity to actually get to know some of uh, GitHub's uh, mm -hmm. more uh, uh, other functionalities, like like the GitHub actions and other things. And I was just diving into it to help users. Uh, you know, solve their problems. So I had to dive into it myself, learn a little bit more about it, um, start using it, uh, and this way start helping other users in that community. So there's a, there's a lot of learning in, in DevRel, if we haven't mentioned that yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I'm also kind of, what I'm wondering sitting here uh, is, is that firstly, am, am I lazy? Because I don't know how you managed to fit this in with everything else that you do then to be such a, <laughs> such a big part of this this community. You know, is what you're talking about and all these different things about being a, a GitHub star, giving back to the, the community, interacting with GitHub to improve their services, does that all relate back to what you're doing with Sneak? Um, I don't think it, it relates back uh, very directly in terms of, like, it. it's an adjacent community. These are, at the end of the day, that these are developers. Uh, but kind of like my... I guess my mission with Sneak is to help developers build their applications in a more secure way, which is which wouldn't be my mission statement sort of as a GitHub star. Like, um, I think the the idea of like you know you know being being a GitHub star or generally being someone who is helpful in the communities that's kind of like what's it all about. So to me, when I was like asked to like fill in that form and like you know try to say you know what I think kind of like were my highlights or. Uh, you know, or anything between like, um, I started this like, uh, uh, what was it it's called? Um, awesome, awesome Israeli something. Oh, oh yeah, so it's awesome open source Israel. I think that's the GitHub repo. So I was trying to, like, I noticed that a lot of people in Israel are actually contributing to open source, but at the same time, they did not know each other. And also, uh, I noticed that there was, um, in a couple of years back before uh, 2019, before COVID hit, we had a hackathon uh, event with a lot of young people and they wanted to contribute to um, to projects back in the, uh, uh, the Oktoberfest uh, time. I was part in that workshop and like they wanted to, you know, to contribute back to projects open source on GitHub, but they didn't know which. So what I wanted to do is like connect them with local maintainers. So that's when I came up with, you know, hey, let's let's curate a repository that says, hey, these are the people who are active in open source in this local Israeli community. You know, let's these are their projects. These, you know, these are you know what they're working on and so on and so on. So, you know, I've I've tried to basically facilitate a lot of that, and I think that's kind of like where I I like to help people, like collaborate. I like to. Uh, 
I also brought in a lot of those main, a lot of those people who were listed there. I brought them in as like maintainers of the repository as well. And I tend to do that a lot. I've done that for like awesome node security and other things. And like, I just brings people in and I'm like, Hey, this is a great space. Let's, you know, collaborate on this together. And then people feel a lot more empowered to contribute, to change, you know, to promote, to, to do, you know, the project or whatever, do things a lot because like they, they, they feel trusted. They feel part of something rather than, you know, a user of, of something. And uh, I think this, this is really what, what's the GitHub star program. And, you know, I think what GitHub is trying to, um, to do in, in general, like basically inspire people to take part in things, inspire people to, um, you know, collaborate on open source, right. That's the whole, you know, open source movement in general. Um, so I, I believe this is kind of like the values that I'm and the activities maybe that I'm kind of like bringing in, uh, when I'm, when I'm part of maybe this kind of program. Yeah. One of the, that, that makes sense. And one of the words that comes up here a lot and when we're talking about something is the word authentic, authenticity, you know, being mm -hmm. authentic yep. and being authentic and wanting to engage in the communities is something that I really had to learn as a developer advocate that I'm not part of the sales team, right? I'm part of, so I, I, you know, I, I really like that there's this delineation, there's this separatism that you have between what, you know, everything doesn't have to relate back to to the goals that you have at Sneak as a developer advocate in these other areas, but you have you you authentically want to build these communities, and I think that shows. And you know, I, I'm 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 curious. I, does that does that kind of give you a, a, a much kind of bigger soapbox or just more trust in the community when you are bringing out other tools or contributing to other projects and, and things like this? Does it allow? Does it give you a bit more? Uh, kind of this trust in that community, particularly coming from uh, coming from a vendor, which can be a red flag to anyone yeah. coming from a vendor anywhere. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Um, interesting question. I, I like those questions, Mackenzie. Today, it's uh, a good <laughs> you might you'd think that I prepared that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and we haven't. Um, so let's see. I think from from the external side of things, like if I if I look at it from people maybe judging me from the outside, the way you know my kind of like first appearance kind of that you have, I think it helps. I guess if you are affiliating yourself with things that are beyond you know what you are maybe presenting or like you know the, the mission statement, I think that helps. Mm -hmm. um, maybe from like a more general stance, like to have a conversation because like if, if someone is on a, you know, when a, they go to a conference, I speak there, there's a security talk, it's one track, they essentially kind of like have to be there, but they don't care about maybe security. But, you know, I also mentioned that I, I like testing or, you know, I do some other stuff. So they might still be interested and in see if there's like a, maybe an angle for it or not. that might be an engagement point for later on. So. I think whatever you could probably bring to the table to you know have more common grounds and factors to engage with the community is helpful. Uh, so I think that is where that probably helps. Um, it's not why I choose to do it. That's kind of like the difference. I think people shouldn't like try to, I don't know, invent hobbies or interest areas unless that's really like something they're passionate of. Um, just because like you know it's it's not sustainable. Like it, it, people can see through it. So I. You know, I, what I what you don't probably see me talk a lot about on Twitter or other things just because like security is like such, a, you know, such a big topic that it's it's <laughs> it has a lot of it. Uh, but like I'm, I'm passionate about a lot of other, other things like, uh, you know, uh, lately home automation stuff, you know, uh, for a long time, it's been um, 
it's been the uh, uh, the testing uh, side of things. So I've actually done a ton of the, the you know testing talks and related like contract testing workshops and, and and stuff like that, which you know it's not really security related, uh, and and we talk about it a lot, you know a lot between like a small group of friends, and it's it's a lot of what I uh, of what I do as well. Um, so I think like all of those side passions, side projects, side interests are really great to weave in if you can, you know, weave them in. Like maybe, you know, one of my next talks mm-hmm. would be security testing. You know, what unit tests you could write to like for, like the security stuff that you that uh, that you want to um, you know catch in your in your pipelines or things like that. But um, I think really generally, it's kind of like the answer to that is authenticity is really important. I think coming in genuine is super important. Uh, it's people can see very easily through that. Um, some of the things are like, you know, very obvious. Like if if someone, you know, shoots up a tweet that says, you know, hey, Sneak, you're like opening incorrect pull requests, uh, updating my dependencies or something, you know, I it, it's there's a bias to go in and say, you know, maybe kind of like I'm sorry or whatever. Uh, but also like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's, you are not the company, you know, I am not the product and I'm not the company mm-hmm. I am representing. And all of this feedback is actually helpful. So, you know, being authentic and like uh, also recognizing what works and what doesn't work is super important. So that's where I think things uh, actually fit in really well when you, when you embrace that. Yeah. And yeah, there's that word again, authenticity. <laughs> yeah, and it comes to it kind of reminds me of you know, faking a, a hobby interest because you like a girl yeah. <laughs> or guy. <laughs> so, very quickly. Uh, well, that you can do. I don't know. That that sounds like not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until you have to learn how to rock climb in uh, <laughs> two hours hobby. by YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, Mackenzie. I uh, I learned a lot of guitar songs just to impress people. That's that's oh. way. <laughs> well, at least I've tried to learn guitar songs. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> I haven't. I haven't been able to get there. <laughs> you know, but it, it's interesting. And and when we're coming down on this this topic of uh, all, you know all these open source repositories, I know that you not only contribute but you also create a lot of developer tools. Uh, not only in lines of security, which is obviously in line with those sneak goals, but also uh, other passion projects of yourself. Uh, how does you know, how does that fit in with the advocacy? Is it something that you? Uh, I'm always interested to know as as how much freedom the advocates have over kind of the mission of, of the company. Is developer tools something that you can discuss uh, with the marketing team with, or is it something you discuss with the community? Or, you know, how do you how do you kind of come up with these ideas for for developer tools, and and how does that whole situation even start as a as an advocate and just as an all-round legend and open source contributor. <laughs> yeah, let's see. So, wow, well, develop developer tools. Um, I guess when you're building them, it's uh, it's a lot about you. It's like whether you want to do it or not. Um, so, I can pick up some examples, but I think if if you, I think those conversations would probably not flow down from marketing. Like I it. I don't know a lot of marketing organizations, but I know ours and I know others, and I can realize that they're not really, you know, are deep in the in the in the in the grassroots to say, hey, let's build a developer tool for A, B, C because it will, you know, catch the interest of you know Z, Y something developers. That's probably not what you're thinking of. Probably what I'm thinking of because I'm putting uh, literally the hat of a developer, and like I, I, you know, I can figure out what developers would relate to. 
So while they're not thinking about it, I think if you if you come up with it and it sounds like a good idea and you can show what's the business value and what's the impact of it to marketing and you know product and other supporting organizations, that is where kind of like the that key area where that's kind of like the I would say the the experience comes into play between being you know a, a devil from like a developer side of things to that we need to understand to like translate this into the business impact. I'll, I'll pick a, a couple of examples. So one example of this is a couple of years back, um, I had this idea of uh, creating uh, an extension to VS Code uh, for Snake, but not really for Snake in terms of I wanted this to be a super simple, slim and thin kind of capabilities. Like the only thing that it would actually help you with is this is how it works. You type in const lodash, know equals require lodash so you basically just import it the moment you do it you have an annotation there's a scan going on in the background an api call that goes on and and there's an annotation that you know feeds back and tells you on that line of code it tells you is this vulnerable or not this does it have five vulnerabilities or not what i wanted to aim at is the most uh friction-free kind of like developer experience. Like you get, you don't need to like run sneak from the test, from the UI, from the CI, whatever. You simply write code and things appear. If they're vulnerable, you'll see it. If not, you know, that's fine. You won't see it. So as you can see, like there, there's no like sneak related stuff there in terms of like, this is just telling you if there's has vulnerabilities or not. And we ended up building this and, you know, we had high hopes for it and it came in, you know, very well, like, you know, Brian Vermeer from my team built this whole thing, you know, was working towards, you know, productizing this, explaining what it needs, you know, how will it work? How will it support different um, angles? Actually, even if you even if you uh, edit an HTML page, it will actually detect the script tags that you might require like an old React or Vue version. And if they're vulnerable, we'll mm-hmm. tell you about them right there in the ID. So very, very slim and like you know, trimmed down usage of, you know, what, what Sneak actually does a lot of behind the scenes. Um, is is really good way to like engage with developers. So this was just an idea. We went for it, and the way that we have like you know said, hey, let, you know, first of all, we for, defined it as an experiment. Like we've never done this before. We did not build like VS Code or other like IntelliJ extensions. This is the first one. So we decided this is an experiment. We'll see what we get out of it. We'll put you know this and that much of time and effort into it. And the way that we'll tie it back to the business is. There's, there's, there is a sort of like an onboarding flow. So like you needed, if you wanted to like get more information, how to fix it and stuff like that, you would have to kind of like sign up and get like an API key and all of those things. Um, just kind of your projects and, and whatever. So we said, hey, like, well, let's let's uh, put like uh, UTMs around this. Let's see how many new users we get. Let's see how many onboard and all of those things. And this is the way to basically, I, I would say, uh, move something from a very... Uh, uh, kind of like, you know, very kind of like fun game. Like I want to do a side project of maybe a VS Code extension into really ma- putting it into a business impact. And that is what we shared back uh, on a very kind of like weekly and monthly basis. Like these are the amount of users we hit. These are the amount of users we helped, uh, you know, with vulnerability, uh, kind of like fix uh, recommendations and things like, things like that. And uh, that really simple and uh, a small extension is like still very popular. Like people, when they see it uh, from like the customer success, I hear a lot like, hey, can you do this for us in, in Java and like for other languages, which is where things get tricky because we're not an R&D organization, right? So like we don't have mm. like a, a big roadmap around this. And so it really depends as well. Like maybe some some companies have 
DevRel engineering organizations where they maybe build those things and they do have support and products for them. Um, for us, it wasn't. It was an experiment to you know help the community, but also you know not you know we're not dedicating you know years of work into this. That's one uh, way to look at it. I'll give you another one, which started the other way around. It started from a hobby project, from a side project, and uh, created uh, interesting momentum. So, I, uh, Mackenzie, do you know that I like CLI? Yeah, I like, I like, I like the CLI, the command line application stuff. I'm a geek about I, those. I've, I've, I think I've, I've seen one or two tweets about <laughs> it <laughs> from you. <laughs> but I mean, I think every true developer loves the CLI because the more that you can do without leaving from that, speeds up your, uh, your, your workflow and yeah, kind of it, makes everything it's so fun, right? Mm, yeah. It's just right there. It's so fun to interact with. Uh, <laughs> It's great. I, so I like writing and building CLI tools. And like one weekend I had the idea of, um, you know, let's build a CLI tool, a super simple, like silly thing, right? It's, it's going to get, it's going to be called literally is website vulnerable. You're going to give it a URL. It will go to the URL with like puppeteer or something. I don't know. I'll figure it out the way I'll go to the URL, I'll download the page. I'll find which vulnerability, uh, sorry, which JavaScript libraries are in there. I'll match them against the Snyk database and I'll say, you know, these and that are vulnerable or, you know, it's all fun and, and rainbows. That's the whole thing. If you, if you think about it, it's like literally a weekend worth of work and it's like super small. That's how <laughs> we started. I was like, we're actually working on it on the weekends. Uh, side a, weekend for, a weekend for you. The, the rest of us might take a, <laughs> a yeah, little bit more time. <laughs> um, so this is really how it started. I was like, you know, it, it's, it was really uh, small at that point. And like later on, of course, like working on it a little bit more and like, you know, more in the work days and added like a minus minus JSON and filters and things like that. And before mm -hmm. I knew it, it was actually very, very popular. Like it caught the extent, the, the attention of, of users really, really, um, um, really quickly. Like I, I was surprised by this myself because this wasn't something we planned to work around from like the devil organization or things like that. And people use this, like they, suddenly I started, first of all, like it now has like, I think over 2K stars, it has over 220 uh, contributors to it. Like there's a lot of community around this tool and it's like very simple purpose tool, right? A single purpose, small, simple tool. So it's not gonna have like a whole roadmap and product thing, but uh, it, people started doing things with it that I didn't think that they would do. Like they added um, the is website vulnerable as an NPX command to their NPM test. So like, in their testing and in their CI, they actually are running this to 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 do their um, um, uh, I would say like the security test for the website that maybe is done the front end or whatever. Someone else created a GitHub action to it, so like they, they could use it in CI in that way. Um, you know, someone else did something else with it. Uh, you know, someone else contributed the, the minus minus JSON kind of like a payload to it. People started updating and fixing a lot of things, and that's kind of like how it it really it got tremendous momentum and again, wasn't planned. It started as a hobby thing, but, but if, it, if we go back to the authenticity part of, of your question, I didn't do that to basically, you know, be popular or I don't know, gain X, Y, whatever users do the sneak platform, whatever it's, it's, it did not come from any top down kind of like funnel like that. It was just a fun idea of like building a CLI tool. Um, and I have a bunch of other examples of this, but it says, really the, the genuine part of like, you know, let's build something that kind of like helps users. And, you know, it, it kind of like caught really popularity and which is really great and really cool because people are now a, bit, a little bit maybe more aware of, aware of like maybe Sneak and how we help uh, developers with the security standpoint and things like that.
yeah, that's really cool. I'm gonna have to check out that uh, that uh, that project <laughs> there. Uh, and I I quite I really like that. I really like that it started from something uh, something genuine and like resources can get added to it if 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 needed from from Sneak. But this is Indeed. really where I see a lot of this uh, DevRel activity in developer tooling kind of stemming from. What's so difficult about DevRel in general with almost everything that, that we do is that it's so hard to quantify yeah. uh, results, right? It's so hard to, to track to say that this guy read my blog, then he used this tool that I created, and then he became a customer because he was a CTO of a company 10 years yeah. later. Like that's, that's the, you know, that's the metric. It's the whole grail of DevRel, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but the, I, I think that, that the more the more genuine that you can become and, and be a, a member of uh, a community that and and when and when those things align with the goals of your DevRel because they don't always have to, uh, then you know then like happy days and that's and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Is it uh, is tools like that 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 you that you're talking about that have contributors now uh, you know outside of yourself outside of Sneak? Do these give you good insights into uh, different problems? You know, like. The features that people are requesting or that they're contributing give you insights into real life problems that the marketing team, the business team, the product team otherwise wouldn't have discovered. Um, I don't have a business case to say that that it is like I don't think we've got too much of, of that feedback because those tooling are are not really like directly related to like the sneak API and the, the security platform in the sense. So yep. it's kind of like a really, those tooling are really narrow extensions of what that would be. So it's hard to like connect that back. Um, but definitely I think what we learn a lot of is the engagements, like running workshops with developers. You know, I remember those days like be before COVID and, you know, doing, you know, face-to-face, -face. like I'm, I'm facing someone and they're telling me, Hey, like what's going on. And, you know, they're giving me feedback and, you know, Hey, they're frustrated with this and that, and, you know, what actually does work and like helps them tremendously. And I think having those conversations, uh, whether they are online webinar, uh, you know, whatever the medium is, but having those conversations, having those, uh, feedback, I would say loops are what's in, where I think things kind of like fall in, uh, funnel in back and forth all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that uh, totally makes sense. It gives you a, a really good pulse on what the community is doing and, and engaging in and problems that are, you know, outside of the direct business case or outside it kind of gives, I guess it's in a way it can help you take off the blinders to see broader issues and uh, broader feedback. Definitely. And I think there's a, there's an interesting angle here that uh, is all is is also like kind of like buried between like in in the iceberg of like you know what you what you actually don't see and that is there's a lot of um, lot of data that we are um, ex exposed to from like uh, the security side and and uh, and being a devil for for security or an advocate or you know however you want to you know put it around and that is. Uh, the way that you could tie it back is really influential. And I, I was, I'm bringing it up because I was actually uh, tweeting back about someone who asked about this today and they found it really super helpful. So here's the thing. They were saying, um, how do I manage my dependencies well uh, with and automating them? But I also 
do not want always to update like the newest version all the time. And, and that is a valid concern if you think about it from like the, the supply chain security perspective. Like, of, yeah, I can update everything always to the last time, but what happens if this is like an event stream case or the ESLint config, those cases mm -hmm. of malicious incidents where a malicious uh, actor takes over uh, a package shoots up a new version it is malicious if you are the you know one of those first users to install it before like the community found it you know you've you're now infected and whatever so like always upgrading and being in the bleeding edge is also like not kind of like the, the best thing to do right like it, it's huh. yeah you see from that perspective so what actually i was working with a product team a while back is we were there, if you remember like uh, uh, event stream and there was there there were a ton of those incidents uh, a couple of years back especially around npm ESLint config like they all kind of like were uh, within like a year length of uh, one of the other and so right, yeah uh, yeah so the product team at Snake were like building this upgrade capabilities and what I was saying is hey let's let's delay the upgrades uh, in a after a specific time and I actually looked back at the data and for each of those malicious um, uh, incidents of the you know the, the security uh, uh, packages that were uh, you know backdooring or infecting you we're looking at how long did it take uh, the community or the maintainer or someone to basically find uh, the fact that this was like a, a malicious attempt like actually happening right now mm -hmm. on the supply chain uh, and and we like looked back on you know data wise on what happened like all the postmortem stuff and we found out that the, after like 21 or 22 days uh, that's kind of like the average of time that it gets to for the community to find them and you know we didn't want to make make it too uh, you know too early and also not not too late as well so we came up with a number uh, which I think was the 21 or 22 days. And only after that, when a new version uh, is is released, like you will get that upgrade. So it's uh, it's it's you know it's those small things that you know as an end user you wouldn't even think of. But this was basically kind of like you know uh, I'm kind of like proud of this because this was like a devrel led kind of like feedback into the into the product, which you know mm -hmm. puts users in a more secure uh, posture, which is which is great. Yeah. So the uh, for for anyone that's not familiar with the event stream. I'm, I'll probably get this wrong, so you might have to correct me, but I believe it was a dependency that was put into event stream that turned malicious, that made event stream malicious. Is that right? True. Yes, it was uh, someone basically socially engineered their way into event stream, which is something that honestly I did not hear about before. Like we don't hear about <laughs> them. Uh, it was an indirect dependency that we all probably have in our project. It was like back then in like Webpack and other yeah, yeah. Code or whatever like if a lot of it, it was running a lot of tools on the internet it was downloaded millions of mm -hmm. times a week and uh, yeah they they kind of like you know it was a seemingly nice person uh interacting trying to help but actually one of uh, their uh, pull requests to add a dependency which at the time was innocent a few weeks later was not because they published the backdoor to it uh, Mackenzie, mm -hmm. if you and i had installed it or anyone on the podcast we probably have been uh, home, home free and it wouldn't have done anything bad to us because they also, um, it was a sophisticated attack where they targeted specifically developers of a Bitcoin uh, wallet application. So uh, only right. then you would, if you were working on that project, you would actually be infected with this and uh, the, the, the product itself out of that would have been uh, uh, backdoored. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's it's such a, <laughs> And what you what you said before uh, about not always updating like, the, the first events that that makes total sense. Never thought of it 
that way because in my mind, right, I have ingrained in me <laughs> update frequently, patch, yeah. always patch, 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 and uh, make sure you're in the latest versions. And that's that's how. But yeah, now that I I think about this, you know, like, uh, and I suppose in a way, like Code Cov as well is another one where you know, yeah, I think two months that was kind of un, uh, you know, unknown another supply Gun chain unnoticed. attack. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, okay. <laughs> that's and that's super interesting that how relevant these conversations are with the developer community because you know uh from someone with a with a marketing brain that's not really even connected even if they're developers I, you know like me i just would never have kind of considered that so yeah incredibly yeah. interesting insights and uh, and how all that kind of comes together with with these with these examples of these tools that you know, no marketing team person could uh, could really direct you <laughs> to kind of go down this path. Yeah, uh, well, that's kind of, like, I guess, the added value of like think, being more connected to the developer community, probably. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that, you know, when I first started out in DevRel, um, and I'm sure the audience is pretty tired of listening to all the things I did wrong <laughs> when I started, but, <laughs> but we haven't even got to half of them yet, so I'll continue. But, you know, it's always this kind of, uh, especially when you're new to DevRel, like you're 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 wondering what kind of like what what am I going to do that's going to create a, an impact? And it's you know part of me. I've I've had I've been in startups before, and you know obviously the end goal is to build a successful startup. So you're wanting to kind of have impact from marketing and then feed that back into sales and, and do all these things. But if you continue down that down that loop, then you're losing so much of the value of what you actually could do which is provide the insights that no one else would have discovered otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's very interesting. So uh, Lauren, I'm curious now that you've been in uh, developer relations at sneak for, for three years, you said almost, I think it's two, almost. two and 10 or something like that. What are, what are some of the, the, uh, the discoveries that you've made along the way? What, what, what would you change about your journey and what's something that's kind of surprising? It can be, Related to any part of kind of DevRel that that you that you wish that had you listened to this podcast <laughs> nearly three years ago, you would have found this gem. Yeah, uh, well, I think being authentic and genuine is. I love that you asked that question because it is. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with the success and uh, the place that you'll feel comfortable with a job. So I think, you know, embracing that and understanding that there's, you know, there's the company where you work for and there's you and that's two different entities and that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. so there's that, um, I think in DevRel, so I think my, my deep, my advice would be, there's a lot in developer relations, like a lot that you could do, like you asked this in this show, right? Like this, uh, because it's going to be engineering, this could be writing blogs, this could be speaking, this could be webinars, this could be writing, ri uh, running campaigns, you know, so many things that it could actually be. And uh, ultimately, I think people will count on you knowing where developer um, kind of like hang out in, in a sense, like what do they, they need or, or you know, what, what is the engagement uh, medium that is most comfortable for you uh, to engage with them. And understanding that also while you could do a lot of things, focus and priority is important. So right. yeah. Devil definitely gives you a lot of freedom and independence to run things because, you know, kind of like it's, it's kind of like for a lot of senses, it's kind of like a, a one-man show in the terms of like you are 
running a lot of engagements in the ecosystems where you are working. Um, mm -hmm. But also, so the thing that's kind of like a lot of fun also. Uh, so knowing that and knowing how to make that an effective way to also like help the company is uh, is what I uh, what I like most. Yeah, great. I was I was, ex I was half expecting you to say to uh, to get a Yoda hat. And <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone listening, uh, Laurent's uh, key key signature is that when he's presenting or or, or on podcasts, uh, he wears uh, he wears uh, the is, it is Yoda, isn't it? The Yoda that's it the is. Yoda hat. It's the Yoda hat. It's, the Yoda hat it reminds me of baby Yoda. <laughs> baby Yoda. Yeah, I, it reminds me of the the second episode of this. Here we we I had we had a developer advocate called Matthias, and he has a. I don't know which color it would be now, but either like blue or green or red hair, bright red hair that he, he dyes. Amazing. And it was his tip that uh, dye your hair a crazy color so that when you're at a conference, everyone can say, oh, go talk to the guy with the blue hair. Or, you know, like this is <laughs> this, so I, because no one could remember, could remember your name otherwise. <laughs> That's an incredible tip. I would dye my hair if I had one. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. how did that, how did the baby Yoda hat uh, start? Oh, uh, come on. This is Mackenzie. We need to drink a little bit before uh, we open up all the stories. This is, I can tell you, it's a decade back. Okay, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. When we, when we can finally meet each other in person at conferences again, we'll, we'll, we'll head to the bar and you can tell me the story of, uh, of where, the, where the Yoda hat came from. <laughs> That's a plan. Well, uh, Laurent, thank you so much for, for making the time into here. I, it's super insightful as every time that I speak to you. Uh, if people want to follow you on social media, hear your stories, what's the best channels and uh, handles to, to be able to do that? Uh, yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter. So just look for uh, Liran underscore Tal. Um, find me and you can uh, feel free to reach out, DM, whatever you need. I'm, I'm happy to help. Right, awesome. Well, thanks again. And uh, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Developing Communities. If you have any suggestions or want to be a guest or uh, interested in a particular topic, you could always tweet me at AdvocateMac uh, or find me on LinkedIn or just about everywhere else that uh, you'll find uh, uh, people online. So thanks again, Lauren, and look forward to seeing you next time. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.